Before we get to this week's episode, I have something important that I want to share. For the last four and a half years, I've had the pleasure of hosting the We Have Cancer podcast and to learn from and be inspired from so many people who have appeared on the show. But the yin and the yang of it is, is that when you immerse yourself in the cancer community like this, you also wind up feeling the incredible pain and loss when we lose one of the members of our community. And this past week, on August 8th, 2019, we lost two members of the We Have Cancer community, two former guests of the podcast, Charles Griffin Jr., who I interviewed on episode 101, and Julian Edwards, who I interviewed on episode 86. Our thoughts, our prayers, and wishes for healing go out to their family and loved ones, and we hope that their memory will be a blessing to all who knew and loved them. Rest well, Charles and Julianne. Here's today's episode. Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 131 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining us. Before I get to this week's guest, a little personal update. I consistently hear from fans of the show and appreciate your good wishes and inquiries about how I'm doing with my stage four cancer. So here's the latest and it's pretty good news. I went in after completing uh, seven rounds of full fury chemotherapy late in May. Uh, I went in at the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida for uh, liver ablation. And uh, we ablated three tumors on my liver. And I recently went in for my first follow-up scan after that procedure. And all looks good. Looks like we've addressed those three tumors and colleagists said, you look good, and we'll come back in a couple of months and for the next scan and just keep an eye on things, such as the journey of being an eight-year stage four cancer survivor. If you or someone you love is touched by colorectal cancer and are looking for someone to talk to, uh, I've been through liver ablation, lung ablation, uh, liver resection surgery, colon resection surgery, lung resection surgery, so if you're looking for some words of advice or just someone to speak to, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Best way to do that is through our website at lee at wehavecancershow.com, and I'd be more than happy to help out any way I can. This week's guest is Dr. Rob Rutledge. And while Dr. Rutledge is not the first physician we've had on this show, I brought him on because he's really unique. A little bit about his background, Dr. Rutledge is a radiation oncologist in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and he specializes in breast, prostate, and pediatric cancers. He's also an associate professor in the Faculty of Medicine at Dalhousie University, and he co-founded Healing and Cancer, and you can learn more about 
the organization by visiting their website at healingandcancer.org. But the mission of Healing and Cancer is to empower people on their healing journey, not just with science, but with wisdom and compassion and with a focus on healing not just the body, but the mind and the spirit, which I think you'll agree is a pretty unique approach for a physician. So I'll let Dr. Rutledge share the rest of the story. Join me now for my conversation with Dr. Rob Rutledge. Rob, welcome to We Have Cancer. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I kind of dig through some of your resources. And as we were talking before I hit record, uh, that was quite a rabbit hole I found myself in with all the amazing resources available that people can visit on your site. And the first thing that kind of jumped out at me is you were pretty emotional talking about how you found your way into oncology Mm. and the impact that Dr. Siegel's book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles had on you to the point that it really, that it actually invoked a pretty emotional response in you. Why was that? What was it that really just kind of touched your heart in his book and kind of guided you on this journey? Well, that was in the 1980s. I was in medical school, University of Toronto. And at that time, it was very hard-nosed science, knowledge, diagnosis, treatment, just pure physical medicine. And I was thinking about psychiatry. I was thinking about working with people who've had addictions. And, you know, sometimes the universe conspires. Sometimes there's the book falls off the shelf and finds the reader. And that's what happened to me. I read the book Love, Medicine and Miracles by Dr. Bernie Siegel, who's who was an Ivy League cancer surgeon, a pioneer in support groups. And he was talking about uh, his exceptional cancer patients. He was talking about integrating heart and spirit and, and love for self and love for others into the cancer journey. And just something deep within me, even now I'm kind of tearing up a little bit thinking about it, something deep within me said, oh, this is it. This is my path. And it's like, it almost felt so right. Like I was not choosing, it was choosing me. And, you know, from you know, 30 years later, I've been on this, this amazing journey of being an oncologist and running support groups and weekend retreats and giving talks and so on. I just feel it's such a blessing. And I've learned so, so, so much from the people that I serve on the day-to-day and also the people that come to the retreats. It's just, it's just been an incredible journey for me. So even now there's the kind of sense of resonance of heart, like, oh, I'm on my path. I've, I found water in the middle of the desert is really the feeling. It sounds very spiritual. Mm. Did you grow up in, in a spiritual environment? No, just the opposite, which is, you know, really kind of funny. My, my dad, you know, was a part of a much stricter spiritual community and he really tried to shield the kids from, you know, the Christian church and you know, spirituality. But I think God had a plan for me. In fact, I was, you know, I would call myself an atheist, you know, through high school and, you know, then to university, I went to a kind of Christian college and, you know, started connecting and something like it's like awakening deep within the heart, like, like finding, you know, being an oncologist. So really it, there's, you know, this has been something that's, that resonates deep within me. And, you know, now I, I, I meditate each morning. So it's like mixing all my uh, kind of faith-based traditions. So I'm meditating and doing mindfulness and then you know, you could say it within a kind of Christian context, but sometimes it comes up more secular. I'm like, please help me. Please guide me. Please, you know, 
let me be an instrument of your of your peace and your light and let it be love, let it be peace. So I kind of invoking, kind of drawing in, hoping that I can share and be helpful to every single person that I connect with in the day to day. And last, I do like a prostration. It's like almost like a submission to something that's bigger than myself. So I wouldn't say I'm a religious person, but I'm a very, very spiritual person is how I categorize that. I would, I would think you would have to be taking the approach that you, that you take. Um, so you kind of found your path starting with, with your reading of this book and, and how did this evolve in your medical career? When did it get to, to the point that it is now, you know, how did you kind of blend the two of the traditional, uh, what we call Western medicine with the integrative, you know, epigenetics and all those kinds of things. How did that all come together? Again, I I don't feel like I'm in control of this journey. I I just, I almost don't even feel like there's a need to have control over this, but I can tell you the story and it's kind of interesting because it also reflects what's happened within society over the last uh, 30 years. So, so hard nosed scientific medical school. And then in the 1990s, when I was a resident doctor becoming a specialist in radiation oncology, there was this whole idea, oh, maybe we should think about quality of life. What an idea that we give these treatments, but we might, might want to think about how people live their lives afterwards. So quality of life came into that whole sense of being. And at that time, I was a resident doctor in Ottawa, and I had this incredible aspiration to run support groups. And so I found a social worker who was running support groups, and she took me under her wing, and I, I learned a lot. In fact, we had our first men's group. We called it skill building for men you know how to make it macho and and so on so it was i didn't realize that was so avant-garde at the time but so so and then i gave my first talk to a prostate cancer group in 1993 and man was i ever excited talk about you know a reflection of something an inner resonance and so on in the two weeks coming up to this talk i was going to talk about the integrative approach and you know how to maximize your chance of recovery and so on in the night before this talk, I had a dream that I was fishing in a tugboat and I was casting in and suddenly I got this huge, huge bite and it pulled as hard as I could. And up from the, the water came this amazingly huge fish that landed right on top of the tugboat, almost brought the tugboat down type thing. And as, a, as an amateur dream interpreter, I interpret that as, well, there's some Christian image there, there as well, but I interpret it as the water being the subconscious mind and up from that subconscious mind comes a talent, which you can probably tell right now as I get very passionate when I talk about these things, you know, the talent's coming to consciousness or to surface. And, and so, you know, that was over 25 years ago. There's been hundreds of public talks and retreats and so on. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. Anyways, let me go back to, sorry, I'm just, I'm rambling, but I'm excited. So (laughs) pardon me. That's okay. Thank you. So, so uh, late nineties was this kind of the scientific community getting together and saying, Oh, people can actually influence their outcome according to their healthy habits. So there was exercise and diet, maintaining reasonable weight, sleep hygiene, you know, starting a little bit around meditation, relaxation, but there it was, we can have an influence through the kind of soup that's, you know, within our body We can change the soup, change the conditions in which, uh, the cells are going and boost the immune system or potential for healing, et cetera, et cetera. So there was, there was the kind of science starting to come in to say, if you do those things, you can actually have a better outcome and you feel better. 
And then through the 2000s with this distress screening, the psychological issues or the emotional issues that come up with the cancer diagnosis and how do we work with this and you know, the cognitive therapies and so on. And then what's been you know, phenomenal for me in the last you know, five to 10 years is the brain science. Like, you know, you and I know intuitively in our gut that there's a mind-body connection. But now the brain science is actually able to prove that. And so it's really been fun for me then to be able to say, this is what the science is showing in terms of brain activity and these different activities, how you can feel better, et cetera, et cetera. And then realizing, recognizing that during that whole time on this kind of spiritual process, that there's something bigger here that transcends, you know, body and mind. uh, And um, that there's consciousness, awareness, this sense of connection with you might call it the higher power or God or however, however you want to see it. And there's something else that's holding our lives. And how can we facilitate that connection? Uh, and how can we bring those high spiritual principles right into our lives in the day to day? So, I mean, it's, it's been an evolution in time. And I just, I just feel also really blessed because I met an amazing um, you know, psychotherapist and mindfulness teacher in the late 90s, Dr. Timothy Walker, who's here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And we've put on 61 retreats now in 28 cities, actually 29 cities. And, um, you know, to learn from his depth of understanding the spiritual traditions, multiple spiritual traditions, and how to make that accessible to people. So really, it's been an incredible personal journey for me, in addition to learning from the amazing people that I, that I meet in, in the week to week, month to month. So you facilitate these, these conferences, these workshops, and, and we'll dig into that in, in just a minute on top of just your, your regular day job. How does it, if I were to kind of follow you around on, on a typical day in your quote unquote day job, what would I see you do different from other oncologists? Probably you wouldn't see a whole bunch of difference. First of all, I, I want to say this with respect. I absolutely love being a radiation oncologist. I, I just, I'm passionate about it. I really think I can make a huge difference in people's lives because in, in radiation side, we really can shrink tumors and we contribute to cure half the people I treat will be cured of their cancers. You know, the other half have got a pain. Almost always the tumor shrinks down. People feel better. They enjoy their lives more. So it's a very satisfying job in the day to day. I'm really passionate about empowering people with information, making sure they understand what the psychological, spiritual uh, issues in that moment. But frankly, if you watch me, I wouldn't do a whole bunch different than you would see my colleagues. Probably what you would notice is that I'm present, like totally present to that person in front of me. And I'm also willing to go to the deep and difficult stuff. So almost every, like every new consultation for certain, but a lot of other times I'm really seeing that question, okay, so what, what's most difficult here? You know, what are you really struggling with? And I'm willing to listen and go to that difficult stuff and air the fears and the anxieties and, and the difficulties and just let people you know, be themselves, the authentic selves and release the kind of stress that they've, they've suffered. You talk in your, one of your videos about how you know, the cancer, the medical community, the oncology community is, is really taught and, and works with their patients to eradicate disease. Yeah. And that's what we're focused on. And then when that's done, you know, ha- go off and have a good life. Right. 
Yeah. And one of the interviews I did with Mich- uh, Michelle Longabaugh, uh, our listeners can go back and listen to my interview with her at wehavecancershow.com forward slash 114. She brought up something that was just so interesting to me. You know, we talk about people who go through, say, open heart surgery and, and, and cause all kinds of cardiovascular challenges. And when they get through their treatment, they're put on a, on a rehab. Right. Many hospitals have a, a heart rehab and they're exercising and doing this, those kinds of things. And she said, why is there not cancer rehab? Yeah. In fact, right? prehab is, is um, pre that too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So what, what I can say is you know, just because I know there's going to be a whole different diverse group of people listening to this podcast is I'd say each person needs to be it's in some sense responsible for their own healing protocol and that we can't rely on the conventional medical system to provide all the pieces of the puzzle. I, I see, you know, you can't expect your oncologist to be your spiritual advisor, I guess is sure. the kind of perspective. And so unfortunately we don't even teach people within the medical system. Here's, here's the empowerment piece. And I believe for almost everybody, it's the best care from the medical system integrated or combined with what you can do to empower yourself with levels of body, mind, and spirit. So it's the combination of those two together that's most powerful. But I do want to quickly say that, um, you know, I, I totally agree with, you know, that, that, that guest is um, the medical system should, and I think it's a should now, should be integrating from day one standard of care like you're going to have an appointment with your oncologist, but you're also going to have an appointment with somebody who can do the empowerment piece, the information, you know, work with you around exercise, diet, you know, stress reduction, meditation. Like there's a whole other piece that we could be sculpting and directing people around that could really make a difference in their lives. And so just as the quick aside, we're, we're starting a patient empowerment program for prostate cancer and we're combining exercise, aerobic and strength, pelvic floor exercises, which is Kegels, meditation, relationship teaching, and social support, including having the new cancer diagnosis people connect with mentors who've had a cancer diagnosis and with each other. And it's that kind of like, you're on it, Lee, you're totally on it. We have cancer, right? It's a community. We work together. We empower each other. I love that idea of a mentor. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. The integrative part, right? Mind, body, spirit, the the medical side. And I'm sure you've seen this. I see this all too often. What do you say to the folks that only believe that they need the mind, body, spirit and can get through their cancer experience successfully without the traditional medicine side. Uh, you use the word in one of your videos, you know, being careful of, of watching out for quackery, mm-hmm. you know? So h- how do you respond to either people who, you know, go explore these crazy things in other countries or the folks that are just taking one piece, the mind, body, spirit, and think, oh, I'm just going to go on a vegan diet and I'm going to exercise, I'm going to meditate, and that's going to cure me because, you know, big pharma's behind the conspiracy or I think chemotherapy is going to kill me, do more harm than good. 
How do you respond when you when you hear that? I'm sure it, it comes up on occasion. I'm not an absolutist because the fact is there are people that undergo a radical remission or a spontaneous remission by doing those things. But I'm also a pragmatist. You know, the chance that you can do that is probably one in ten thousand. Uh, and so, if you think that's a good chance, then you know you can go there. I mean, also something speaks deep in me at the kind of heart level here, and that is using your intuition. Now, so even though I'm going to strongly endorse the combination of conventional medicine with the the complementary, it's like I want people to have an approach to any of these situations. And so, what I say is, use your scientific mind, your logical mind, try to figure out what makes sense. And use your intuition, your gut, to be guided by something higher than yourself. And when those two, and in fact, they're the same system. To tell you the truth, when those two can guide you, then you can also take that same kind of philosophy into the medical system. You know, you know, I watched or listened to one of your podcasts around getting a second and third opinion, for instance. So it's again, it's like, how do I get the best results? And you know, there's also, I mean, it's probably a half an hour program, you and me, in terms of how to get the best care from the medical system. But but as well, just be clear that people are vulnerable、uh, when they have a cancer diagnosis, and oftentimes the、um, you know their actions are based out of fear instead of、uh, a solid, clear wisdom, grounding, and love. And so I want people to come out of that space of empowerment and not to let fear guide those decisions.、Uh, and so you know it's tricky business. I just I have great respect for anybody's journey. I'll just tell you maybe a quick story to emphasize this. So、uh, we had a wonderful woman stay with us、uh, a month ago. So she helped facilitate a weekend retreat. She happens to be a social worker. Has now recovered from a stage four lymphoma, and she tried to do the alternative approach. So this this is a, a smart woman who just decided that you know that was the best way for her, and she came up with this idea. You know, she went to these alternative clinics, and she was seeing. You know, a lot of people are relapsing. You know, going here, so she had to do her work. She connected with a, a healer in New Zealand, so she would did a like a ten session Skype, and he got her to visualize going in for chemotherapy. And the chemotherapy line was the light from God going into her veins. And soon as she was able to reframe that, I can bring my spirituality, my light into the medical system. That's when she was able to very easily go through chemotherapy. She was at peace, and I think she's going to be cured of her cancer because she's able to integrate both sides. That's a fascinating story. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's really powerful. Obviously, your approach is unique. How has your、uh, your approach, combining mind, body, spirit, with traditional med- medicine, been received by your peers? You know, I I think they respect me just on the day to day because I think I'm a pretty good radiation oncologist, and that that was important to kind of maintain my competence and the kind of technical expertise and so on. And so that's where I'm judged there. But frankly, a I think they're just too darn busy to really care. I mean, they're <laughs> I mean they're they're trying to. I mean, I have incredible respect for the conventional medical system as well, right? So billions and billions of dollars being you know, poured into research. Uh, these physicians going to international conferences, trying to get the best guidelines possible. They're working hard at physical care, and bless them for their great work. And so I see them as a key team player of that kind of healing program. And so, 
and they, they, they recognize, you know, that my work is a little bit different, but I also talk about self-care for the professionals. Like how do we take care of ourselves so that we can be the best people to serve others? And then frankly, the science has started to come in. In fact, today I went to Round Round's talk at lunch on cancer-related fatigue. And that's a very common symptom, right? And they went through the science of the kind of five principles it can do to actually help yourself when you're fatigued. And a lot of it was, you know, psychological, spiritual, in addition to the kind of physical healthy habits type stuff. So the medical system is changing to kind of integrate that kind of more holistic picture. And so... When that happens, you know, I, they don't look as me as, as, as an outsider as much. Well, yeah, and, and I'm starting to see that, especially in the, you know, more widely known cancer centers in the U.S. If you do a search on Memorial Sloan Kettering's website for the word meditation, I was shocked and pleased to see that there were over 200 articles on yeah. Memorial Sloan Kettering's website talking to meditation. And I'm like, wow, right. have we come a long way? Yeah. And, and to add to that, I mean, I mean, there are other fantastic, you know, world-class centers that are integrating the two. And I can mention Duke uh, University as well. But the other thing I would say to the, um, those who believe in only the kind of alternatives is 25 years ago, when I first gave my talks, I was very nervous about what I could say about complementary notes. But I know now from a kind of scientific perspective that there is no one shark cartilage or ASIAC or, you know, that, that works for everybody. Now, for a particular individual, it might be the home run, but really the point is that we've done the scientific research to look at the alternatives and we know, you know, the place is to empower the body, to empower the immune system, to release that healing potential that can, you know, can be the home run for any one individual. And more importantly, and this is one of the kind of key messages I wanted to take is how do we live our lives? Like how, what do we want to focus on? How do we express our love and spirit in this world? And, you know, whether you've got another six months to go or another, you know, you know, 156 months to go, whatever it is, uh, how are you going to live your life in this next day or two or three? I mean, that's, and I, I believe that there's a physiology of being in that state when you're on your path when you have meaning, when you're connecting with people, letting your love out, when you're in that state, I really think that influences the physical and the kind of miraculous as well. I totally, totally agree. Just, just from my personal experience, yes. people are amazed when I tell them that I've been dealing with stage four colon cancer for eight years. And these have been the eight years, best, best eight years of my life. Yeah. And you get this baffling look on people's faces like <laughs> that doesn't go together. I'm like, yes, it yeah, does. Because yeah. when I look at all the great things that have happened in my life compared to the cancer journey, the great far outweighs, you know, the, the yeah. not so great. Yeah. And, and I say that with zero hesitation. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we recognize that life is short and precious. Right. And so if you kind of suddenly you know, let go of the, this kind of concept that we're all going to live to, you know, 300 years old and we recognize we all have a limited time. How do we want to live our lives? And so that's, you know, the priorities suddenly shift. We let go of the things that aren't important. You know, that's, it's also self-care, right? To, to cut away the parts of your life that just aren't serving you. Like just let go, create some space for joy and peace and connection and intimacy. hundred percent. Tell us about these workshops that you've been doing and uh, what they're about. Yeah. 
So started in 99. In fact, uh, just a month ago, we had our 60th retreat and we actually did a spirituality and cancer skills for the weekend retreat. So I think that's the next kind of level that we'll be going to. But essentially, it's a combination of a kind of support group in which people get to really tell the truth of what they're going through. And then us teaching them the healing skills, the kind of scientifically proven healing skills that can really make a difference in terms of stress levels, empowerment. You know, a lot of people kind of uh, have aha moments. And so we go from, you know, kind of Friday, what can you do level of body empowerment, the kind of science around that. I, we talk about brain science and so on. Saturday, we work at mindfulness-based stress reduction, uh, reframing difficult thoughts, you know, how our thinking affects our, 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 our moods and, and our immune system. We teach some Qigong, which is a very relaxing, uh, energetic exercise. On the Sunday morning, we work with the deepest fears. And so we really go down deep in our hopes and so on. A little bit of mindful yoga, talk about the role of spirituality and cancer. So it's really hard to describe the depth of this. People can go to the website and actually watch an entire weekend retreat. So we filmed it start to finish. And we also published a book called The Healing Circle. Uh, they can get at healingandcancer.org. And it's essentially, it's the teachings from entire weekend retreat. In every second chapter, a true story of somebody who's gone through this. But what I yes. can say is, sorry, just to just to finish off the, the idea is just kind of see that transformation from Friday evening of the kind of the frowns and the anxiety and the fears to the Sunday afternoon, the transformation. Almost everyone has had a kind of like aha moment, a, a transformation, a, an insight that has really kind of released some issue that they're holding on to. So it really turns into psychological, spiritual transformation through a kind of a weekend seminar. It sounds like it's really powerful. It is. And just got a 9.8 out of 10. How about that? Almost everybody but one person gave it a 10 out of 10 wow. when you're in Maine just a week ago. Congratulations. Yeah. And if people want to see these videos of what these retreats look like and, and a lot of other resources that you provide, they just need to go to your website at healingandcancer.org and they'll see just tons of resources there. Yeah. If I could put you on the spot for those folks that you know can't get up, get up your way for one of these retreats, from my perspective, one of the major stress points for people is what we call that scanxiety, mm -hmm. right? I have my scan on Monday and I'm not going to get the results till Wednesday, or I just have a scan coming up and I'm starting to freak out about what's going to happen. Yep. Can you give us a, a, a sure. tip that we can share with the, with the community that might help relieve some of that quote unquote scanxiety? Yeah. So I just, I've been thinking about how to lessen anxiety. So I've just in the last two, three, four months, I've started to develop this whole talk Fear of cancer recurrence, five ways to lessen your anxiety. So you can actually go to the website and listen to a whole talk on this. And some of the principles are, A, it's normal, it's expected. Uh, you know, this is what human beings do. And to kind of add the extra layer of, no, I shouldn't be upset, I shouldn't be anxious, shouldn't be nervous, just adds one extra layer of stress and uh, frustration that's unnecessary. So it's to allow oneself one's own uh, reaction. Secondly, there's some what I would call body up work, which is essentially if you can get your body to relax or your body to pretend that you're not so anxious. So for instance, by slumping and chewing gum, 
the, you know, if when you're slumping and chewing gum, you're not experiencing, you know, a big stress reaction. Or we teach a specific breath a technique, long, slow, smooth out breath. And what happens is the physical body settles down. It sends a, a message up to the brain and, and the brain, you know, then begins to relax and the anxiety level starts to drop. And at that point, you can actually talk yourself through this, which is, I can handle this. Let's just take one thing at a time and, you know, let's make the best of it at any situation, et cetera, et cetera. So there's particular techniques you can work with. And lastly is to do the deep work and that is looking at your greatest fears. So even listening to this and persisting through this podcast at this point when we're talking about fear and anxiety desensitizes some of the fear by itself. But what I'd say is you can look at the, those greatest fears and you really take the, the power out of it with time. Because the fact is you have way more resilience and way more ability to cope. And I've just, I've seen this like so many times the person says, oh, I'm scared, I worry, et cetera, et cetera. And then I see them at some other later point in their life. And sure, they may be struggling with some issue, but they have this incredible strength and resilience at that point. And they had it all along. And we just kind of forget about that, that capacity when they're feeling their anxiety. That's really helpful. And I appreciate you sharing that. Normal and expected. I just... Normally, yeah. sure. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, and if one person could put that into practice, uh, then, then we've done good work, right? Agreed. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolute joy to, to meet and connect with you and to learn about all the amazing work that you're doing. Uh, mm. I need to go dig into some more videos myself, but just I, I just so respect and appreciate a, a new perspective that we've not heard in the four years that this podcast has been in existence. And uh, I just want to extend my sincere gratitude and appreciation mm. that you reached out to me mm. to share this. I will be posting the links to the site, to the book, et cetera, in the show notes for this episode at wehavecancershow.com. So if someone's listening to this while they're working out or in the car, don't worry. You can just go on the website. I'll have the links to Dr. Rutledge's videos and all the tremendous resources that he's, that he's offering uh, the cancer community. Thank you. Rob, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I just want to finish say, thanking you, Lee, because really, you know, to broadcast and to invite the great spirits onto the show and then to have an authentic conversation. You know, these are often difficult conversations. And so my hat's off to you and uh, and your lovely wife just to, to be able to share from the heart and just normalize uh, this journey. So thanks again. Really wonderful experience being with you. Pleasure has been mine. Be well, my friend. Thank you. There are several Get Your Rear in Gear 5K Run Walk One Mile Fun Runs coming up over the next month or so. Let me review the dates and locations for you. Coming up first is on the 24th of August. This is on Saturday in Des Moines, Iowa. That's at Raccoon River Park. The next event is in Chicago, Illinois. This is on September the 7th. This is also on a Saturday at Montrose Harbor. Also on September 7th in New Hampshire, Kantukuk, New Hampshire at Gould Hill Farm. That's their Get Your Rear and Gear event. We also have one taking place in Boston on September 14th, which is a Saturday. That's at DCR Mother's Rest at Carson Beach. Also on Saturday, September 14th in Columbus, Ohio at Creekside Plaza. 
the following Saturday, September 21st, Seattle, Washington at Redmond Central Connector. And the following day is not only a 5K run walk, but a Tour de Tush bike ride. And this is in Richfield, Minnesota. This event is at Veterans Memorial Park. Some additional events where you can help support the Colon Cancer Coalition. There is a concert for a cause. This is over the course of two days, Friday and Saturday, this coming Friday and Saturday, August 16th and 17th, for our friends that are around Moundsview, Minnesota. Concert for a cause is at Moe's of Moundsview on both Friday and Saturday. There is also a memorial car race at Utica Rome Speedway in Vernon, New York. That's coming up on the 25th of August. And we have a golf tournament coming up on Friday, September 13th in Austin, Texas. We call that one the Caboose Cup. And that is taking place in Austin, Texas at Riverside Golf Course. For information in these and all other Colon Cancer Coalition events, visit their website at coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.